Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision and our brand new season, The Fintech Fuse. This is Theo, your host for the episode, along with Stephanie Foster, my partner in crime. Yay! So today, we are very delighted to welcome Deshaun Stevenson, Director of Pharmacy Operations at Walmart and co-founder of Baby Fever. Now, this is a completely different topic and direction as what we normally do, but you know, that's a fun part of hosting to show. So welcome to the show, Deshaun. Thank you, thank you, glad to be here. All right, so tell us a little bit about what you do to kick off our conversation and also your vision behind Baby Fever. I like the name, by the way. Awesome, awesome. So uh, Baby Fever is an intersection of health tech and FinTech. So we're aiming to break down barriers for individuals on their family building journey. Our vision is rooted in accessibility, so making fertility and family building services available to everyone, irrespective of financial constraints. So we want to empower users by providing a seamless platform, connecting them with providers, agencies, and financial institutions. Um, as it relates to myself, the reason why I founded it, um, I decided to become a single father by choice. Uh, so I have a gestational carrier, and uh, our due date, due date for my uh, little girl is going to be uh, May 1st. Uh, but during my process of going through the road of becoming a single father by choice, um, I encountered a lot of uh, African-American women that were dealing with PCOS, endometriosis. And I didn't really realize how prevalent it was in our community until I started to realize that this is a barrier to me actually having a child on my own or, or being in a relationship or co-parenting, whatever route that, route that I decided to go down. So um, I made a, a vow uh, as a person of faith to you know, basically pay it forward to the next person um, that, that was going to be able to have a kid um, to be able to uh, not only kind of educate them on uh, different things that was happening as far as health disparities related with themselves uh, and infertility, but then also being able to work through the financial constraints that prohibits many from actually um, assessing care, which is financial constraints. I love that. Um, so Deshaun and I met here in Atlanta through the fintech ecosystem, actually. Shout out to Red yes, from ATDC, man. who actually, you know, initially put us in contact and we've really gotten the chance to, to get to know each other. And I got to hear a lot more about what he's building at Baby Fever here in Atlanta and his own personal story of jumping into parenthood. Yes. And figuring all that out on his own, which we're so proud of you, Deshaun. And we're so excited for May 1st. You have a date now. This is so exciting. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so you recently pitched at FinTech South, right? You were part of the innovation challenge and one of the finalists. Uh, congrats again on that. Tell us more about that experience. What was that like for you? Awesome. Awesome. So the FinTech South uh, Innovation Challenge was a fantastic opportunity to showcase Baby Fever's unique approach. Uh, we presented um, how our platform addresses the financial aspects of family building. So being a part of this challenge allowed us to interact with industry leaders, gain valuable insights and highlight the importance of integrating FinTech into the health sector. Uh, one of the things that I learned initially uh, was this was an opportunity to educate uh, the fintech community uh, as far as the issues that were affecting those that were in the family fertility and family building ecosystem. So I'm already in the ecosystem, but people didn't know that it cost you know fifteen to thirty thousand dollars to actually do an IVF cycle and uh, most people had to either run up their credit card or they had to go and establish account where they had to actually get a loan to get this done or ask friends and family. So all of that is part of the financial process. 
And, um, you know, that's a barrier when someone wants to actually have a child. So um, this was a great opportunity to, you know, get poured with different resources. As I um, come from a healthcare background, I was able to kind of build on my financial or, or fintech skill sets, definitely, um, by being a finalist. And uh, I had amazing mentors um, that were able to help me craft my pitch deck. Uh, which, although I didn't win uh, or, or excel to the next level, um, the moment that I did the FinTech competition, that night I literally applied to Mount Sinai with the pitch deck that I was able to create because of my mentors there. And then I was accepted um, to an incubator, like literally right after that. Uh, so that night <laughs> I, I applied, the next morning I got accepted to Mount Sinai and now we're in an incubator. So um, I definitely thank the FinTech South group uh, for mentoring me during that time and, and helping me refine my, my uh, value proposition. So um, it's definitely helped by being a finalist. My jaw dropped when you were talking about the, um, the part about financial constraint. And I, I have to admit, I had no idea. Um, I do have two kids of my own, very lucky parents. The uh, the part that surprised me when I when I had my first one, and then still surprised me when I had my second one, was was the hospital bill. Um, I remember uh, because both of them I, I had to go through um, C section, and um, I remember I was on bed rest for majority of my first one, and I got told I need to go to the hospital the day before my scheduled surgery to quote unquote, settle the bill. I'm like, what do you mean by settle the bill? They wanted to run my credit card to make sure that everything will go through in case there are some things that will come back from, from the insurance. Thank goodness the insurance did cover every single dime of it because the bill was $30,000. Oh my God. I was like, Okay, that was expensive, and that was one child. Um, and 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 that was the first time I realized I'm like, wow, what if you don't have insurance? I mean, I was lucky, and I had amazing insurance from from my workplace at that time. But what if you don't? What if you have other complications? What if you know, your credit card can't support all of that? And and my biggest uh, thing I remembered was. Here I am, supposed to be on bed rest. I am stressed. We're trying really hard to keep the baby in. And you asked me to come early to run my credit card. It just, huh? none of that process felt human. Yes, transaction. Right? It was all a transaction. And I compared and contrast to some prior experience I had in the UK. I lived there for a while. And, and I remember when I had to go see a doctor it was on the weekend i was able to make an appointment they were they spent a lot of time with me and they took care of me and it wasn't like you walk into the doctor's office what's the first thing they ask you what's your credit card they didn't do that and and i felt like oh someone actually cared about me as a patient i did not get that feeling in here in the us and and it's scary to think in other places in the US with people who have less access, right? What are they going through? So I, I wanna talk to you about equity because that's something that I had experienced and seen, I read a lot about, and I know that's something that all of us are very passionate about. Walk us through 
what are some of those disparities in care? Why do we have it the way that we have it? And and it's becoming a critical issue in the U.S. And and what on earth is going on? Sorry, that's a loaded question. No, no problem. So um, so health disparities in fertility care, uh, care are glaring. Uh, with unequal access to services, often due to financial limitations. So this creates a system where only certain demographics can afford these life-changing services. So specifically um, in the fertility and family building ecosystem, for the last, I would say, 40 years, um, it's primarily been a you know high socioeconomic class, uh, mainly white, uh, that have been donors, surrogates, uh, or access to donors and surrogates, as well as access to fertility services. So uh, before, I think right now with, you know, more, especially minorities going to college, um, gaining um, additional uh, skill sets, gaining um, kind of more competitive jobs that will allow them and having jobs that allow them to or, or, or pay for the services as well. You're seeing more access to care or more people um, get access to those services. But um, health equity is critical as it addresses these disparities and ensuring that everyone has a fair chance at building their family the way that they desire. So one of the things that um, is so pivotal that, that ended up um, kind of uh, publishing yesterday is ACRM, which is, again, the parent organization or the main organization as it relates to fertility and family building, just um, widened what infertility means. So infertility used to mean um, if a traditional heterosexual couple was um, less than the age of 35 and they had been trying for six months, uh, then they were designated as infertile. So um, actually for 12, 12 months, they were designated as infertile and they were deemed, you know, you need to go ahead and go to a reproductive specialist. If they were over the age of 35 and they've been trying uh, naturally uh, and it still ha wasn't working, then they were, they were supposed to go to the reproductive um, uh, endocrinologist. But um, they actually expanded the definition of infer infertility now. So it's not based on relationship and it's not based on sexual orientation. So now it says if you have to um, utilize donor gametes, which is basically um, eggs, or you have to utilize donor embryos um, in any part of your process, um, then you're deemed infertile. So that will hopefully open up the door for more insurance coverage. Um, as it is not given for certain uh, communities, such as uh, single single parents by choice or LGBTQ+. So hopefully that will open up the door again for more access uh, and more equity, not only from a racial standpoint, but also from a sexual orientation standpoint. But ultimately, the facts show that one in six um, will experience infertility worldwide. So it's not a black and white issue, it's a, it's a human issue. Uh, one in three cannot afford it. So most people are, uh, go to the fertility clinic and then once they're told what the bill is, first first off, you're, you're gonna have to pay at least about a $300 consultation fee that's not covered by insurance just when you do your first initial consultation at the fertility doctor, which is your number one barrier before you even go down the road of figuring out how, how much everything else is. Um, uh, and also black women are twice as likely to be infertile for, for multiple reasons. We have an increase in the amount of chronic diseases, obesity in our communities. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, prevalence of endometriosis, PCOS. Uh, I was talking to my friends the other day and you know my mom had a hysterectomy at, at 39. So with us waiting until, you know, I'm 39, with us waiting until our, our late 30s and early 40s to have kids, you know, most of the people in my, my aunts and, and, and my mom had, had hysterectomies around this time, you know, because of reproductive issues. So it just kind of goes to show that reproductive issues always existed. It's just we're waiting until later to have kids because we want to have a family. We want to build our career. We want to buy the house. We want the white picket fence. We want the marriage. We want all of these different things. 
but you know we don't we're not educated enough on what's actually happening to our body throughout those 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 moments of, of trying to wait until the right time and and there's never a right time to do anything um so one of the things that we're trying to do is basically try to help you know as there's changes that's going on with insurance as there's changes as there are changes with the definition of what infertility is uh, we want to move with those changes with the baby fever platform so that um, everything's already set up for um, for everyone no matter what your parenthood journey may be Thank you for sharing that, Deshaun. Um, I'll say that I, you know, just as Tia, I also have two children, um, both, you know, birth was able to happen naturally. So I haven't personally dealt with this stress, but I have many close friends, mm -hmm. family members, colleagues, right, who have gone through that process or are currently going through this process. And it is emotionally stressful and draining and that's just one part of it right like without even thinking about the financial impact of how do i make this happen for my family or how do i make it happen for myself when it's something that you so deeply want mm -hmm. um so my question to you is how how do we change that status quo like what role does financial services play so uh changing the status quo involves dismantling financial barriers so financial services play a pivotal role in providing solutions like affordable loans, insurance coverage, and tailored financial plans. The growing awareness and collaborative efforts uh, within the fintech and health tech sectors give hope. The shift towards inclusivity um, is gaining momentum as well. So looking at ways to show underserved communities ways to finance their uh, financial journey would be pivotal. So, um, you know, we are thinking with our baby fever platform being able to being able to invite collaborators so you know there's certain parts of the process that you know may, you may have an aunt that wants to contribute towards your reproductive law, law fees which may be fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars you know invite your aunt to, to contribute to that so uh we know that in certain communities they're used to pulling resources together especially for a common cause um the reason why i thought about that is we had a um sister actually contact us on the baby fever platform because her um, her youngest sister was having um, multiple miscarriages and she didn't want her sister to go through another miscarriage again. So they had already went through the IVF process. Um, you know, they had embryos. So, you know, she had already lost two of them. They didn't want to risk her losing any more of those embryos that they had so preciously ended up getting. Uh, so that they ended up contacting us to get a, a surrogate, uh, which ended up being a lot more affordable than they actually had originally quoted. Uh, so they thought they were going to spend between 150 to 200. I connected them with an agency. I think they're going to spend maybe 80 or 90. So they were like, oh my God, thank you so much for connecting me with, you know, them. So, you know, financial resources, you know, are important and imperative. And that could dictate whether someone has one kid or, or two kids based on their financial uh, makeup. So we're seeing definitely, uh, we're seeing men come as well to the platform. Um, I've had men where, uh, you know, their wives have, uh, you know, had a baby, but bled out and it had had an emergency hysterectomy. And, you know, they were able to still be fertile and have embryos, but um, they needed a surrogate as well. So um, I paired them up with um, an agency. Uh, we have another couple um, that um, they have to get an egg donor and a surrogate. So walking them through that process and what that looks like. Um, so it's pretty much cliche, specifically in the minority community, as far as getting donors and egg donors and surrogates and all of that stuff and what it looks like. 
And these are people that have, you know, really good jobs and, you know, making good money. And, you know, they did everything right. They got married. They did this. And it's like, next is the baby. Like, but where's the baby uh, has been the common question that a lot of them have had. So being able to kind of provide a resource and say, hey, I understand what you're going through um, and I'm going to help you navigate what that looks like. Um, has been great for our customer discovery as we build out our platform so that we know exactly um, what people need. But, you know, a lot of people that come already have resources to pay for things like this, right? So it's a luxury still, um, even within the minority community. So how do you access the people that don't, um, that may need, um, you know, financial assistance or, you know, connections to, um, prescription uh, programs if they're low income uh, to provide some of these fertility services. So uh, we want to provide as many resources as possible through our financial platform. Again, loans, um, uh, prescription medication assistance programs. Uh, we're working with the Cade Foundation. So they provide grants up to $10,000 uh, for uh, couples and also single people that need to go through the IVF process. So uh, the main thing that we see is as much as we, if we can just educate our community as much as possible um, about the resources that are out there, um, then at least they have a chance at um, getting one step closer to having their baby. I, I love that you're you're looking at education on both pieces of it, right? There is one part of educating society, <laughs> the rest of us on how big of a problem this is for so many in America that a lot of people are not aware of, right? So you have that education piece of what the problem is that you're solving like baby fever, but also mm -hmm. education on the other end, because you've essentially created some sort of a marketplace where you're mm -hmm. matching all of these resources with people who are in need as well. So you've got to educate them on the resources that are out there to mm -hmm. truly help them get to the other side of yes. this pain point of becoming a parent. And I just, I am so in awe of what you're building, Deshaun. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I agree. It's, it's amazing. As as you were talking through the question of access and education, um, I wonder, would it like, wouldn't this be something that employers would be interested in, right? Because oftentimes we look for bankable moments. What is a bankable moment when there is a change in life events, when you have a baby, when, you know, you become widowed, when your children goes to college or getting ready to go to college, those are all big life changes uh -huh. that people look for help. Wouldn't that make sense if employers do more in this area as well? Um, some employers are doing more, but there's still so much that has to be done. Um, so uh, some employers are working with their insurance companies to per, uh, make sure that the insurance companies are adding um, fertility coverage. But a lot of the fertility coverage is not inclusive to, to different environments. It's, it's still based on a traditional heterosexual relationship. So if you're doing, again, single parent by choice, you're not going to be able to access those benefits typically. And then if you are doing um, LGBTQ+, you, you don't qualify as well because, you know, a lot of the IVF has to be done on your surrogate or, you know, like certain procedures have to be done on another person that's not covered. So uh, what we are seeing is um, some companies are offering reimbursement. But even that's a barrier. So, for example, my company offers uh, $20,000 for surrogacy reimbursement. But um, obviously, you have to pay for that up front. 
and then get reimbursed. So my technicians or, you know, other hourly associates can't afford to save up the $20,000 to wait until that is reimbursed. Um, so, you know, what do you do in those types of situations? So we've seen one of our um, kind of fertility benefit companies um, have more of like a preloaded card. So I think if we go the employer route, um, it will have to be something where we have a preloaded card or we already have an agreement with uh, certain agencies or certain clinics uh, where that money will kind of preload on a card um, and then we'll be able to work directly with the agency on uh, distributing those funds. Um, we've been trying to go back and forth as to different strategies to, to increase access to care. Um, but the reimbursement is, is common amongst adoption and surrogacy amongst employers. It's just a barrier because you have to wait. You have to save all, all that money and then wait to get reimbursed. It goes to show how much more work we still need to do in rethinking policy and rethinking how we still have not evolved with time, unfortunately, um, this and more, we can go on on, on that forever. Uh, looking forward to next year and beyond. What are some of the things that you are focusing on? I'm curious. And before we let you go, if there's one message that you would like to convey to our audience, what would that be? Awesome, awesome. So moving forward, we're focused on enhancing uh, user experiencing, building on our technology, um, expanding our network of providers and agencies. That's why I'm here at the conference today, um, and advocating for more inclusive financial uh, financial solutions. Um, so our message to the audience is simple. Everyone deserves the opportunity to build the family that they dream of. And at Baby Fever, we're committed to making sure that that's a reality, reality through both innovation and also inclusivity. So um, we, Again, as I mentioned, got accepted to the uh, Diversity Incubator at Mount Sinai, one of the world's best hospital systems based in New York City. Um, so we're going to be working to do a lot of customer discovery at one of their hospitals in East Harlem. And uh, we're going to get a mentor. Um, she actually wrote a book called uh, Countdown. Her name is Dr. Um, Shana Shaw. So she basically um, has uh, is a reproductive uh, epidemiologist there, and she's uh, said that by 2045, most couples will have to do IVF just due to the decrease in the amount of sperm counts. Uh, sperm counts have decreased 50% over the last 40 years just due to the food that we're eating, environmental concerns, like all of these different factors that we're not talking about. So uh, we hope to bring her in as a mentor and hopefully as an advisor as we grow the Baby Fever platform, um, as well as um, our pitch was accepted by the National Science Foundation. So we're moving on to phase one uh, of, of uh, applying for uh, grant funding to build out our technology. So. Um, we're taking steps as much as we can, um, but one of the main things I'm going to say is just advocate for yourself. Um, you know, when you're going through the fertility and family building journey, and uh, you know, if you can connect with one person uh, throughout that journey, that can help you. Um, you know, please connect. You know, ask your fertility clinic for advice, ask your OBGYN for advice, ask your primary care doctor. Do they know anyone? Uh, because we cannot uh, overcome infertility and 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 also kind of the emotional strain of family building uh, without coll collectively working together to 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 um, to overcome these challenges. But everyone wants a baby and a lot of people want a baby. And, and, and you know, that's that should be a human right and a dream. And I don't think that we should kind of um, have all of these different barriers that prevent someone from being happy and, and being able to share that same joy and experience of, of being a parent. 
I love everything you just said. And congratulations again um, for May 1st. We look forward to getting updates from you, Deshaun, and thank you so much for spending time with us. If um, people want to reach out to get more information about what you do, where should they go? Perfect. Um, they can reach out to us at babyfever.com and we have a community form as well as a contact form or um, I'm on LinkedIn as well as at uh, Dr. Deshaun Stevenson. And I uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. If you need any help, let me know. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining Stephanie and myself for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week.